Okay, so I know I just released an episode earlier this week. Well, I guess last week, last weekend, whatever. But some news came out that I've been waiting for. More specifically, uh, I've been waiting for Twin Galaxies to conclude their investigation into Billy Mitchell and um, some scores that were in question because I had the opportunity to sit and talk to Scott, PSP, Patrick Scott Patterson, who has been on the show a couple times already, I know, but he has a lot of really great insight to offer in a lot of different areas, which is why I have had him on multiple times. And me and him have talked about his experience working at Twin Galaxies quite a few times personally because I'm very interested in the fact that he was very involved in such a prominent organization and that his experience was less than stellar. And he has been talking about it openly for many years. But he's caught quite a bit of flack for raising questions about things related to Billy Mitchell. And it wasn't until recently when questions about his scores came up from a technical standpoint that people started really paying attention or people started really looking into it. And of course, now we all know as of a couple of days ago that he has received a lifetime ban. He was determined to have been lying about the fact he was using an original cabinet when he was using an emulator who's misrepresenting his scores and all of his scores all of them not just his dk scores have been removed from the database and also they've been and his titles with uh from the guinness world records have been disqualified as well it was kind of the news that came out uh on friday so in light of that decision i really just wanted to really see an interview that I did with Scott um, in March. I interviewed him after I uh, spoke on a panel at the Women of WonderCon in Dallas. He came uh, to see me speak and also to do some interviews with me. We sat and we did uh, a back-to-back and you guys heard the first of it, which was the video games and violence that we interviewed right after that was in the news. And we did this interview kind of in the wake of uh, the scores being looked at by the Donkey Kong forums and also by Apollo Legend. There was kind of, I believe, that situation was drumming up around that time as well. So um, so I just wanted to give a little preface that we're not going to talk about just one situation or Scott's not going to reference just one situation because he's going to talk about a variety of discrepancies that he discovered in his time uh, trying to rebuild the database for Twin Galaxies between 2008 and 2011. There was one specific event that Scott delves into quite a bit in 2010 that involve, um, it's it's just a really interesting story, and I don't want to give any way, anything away um, because it's Scott's story to tell. But he, he talks about quite a few things, and I'm going to outline a, uh, some stuff also on the show notes for the episode because I think it's important. There, I'm just going to point out some stuff that really st- stuck out to me. Um, with links to uh, the articles that Scott references, which I'm going to try and make sure I have all of those (laughs) collected for you guys. But really, I just want, I'm just excited to uh, share Scott's experience because I think it's important. He's got 
firsthand experience with Twin Galaxies with Billy Mitchell. And there's a lot more to talk about than just some scores. And we talk quite a bit about that. So without further ado, here is Scott. Galaxies. Well, I'll take a step back further oh, than that. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I started playing video games in September '81. Uh, Pac-Man was my first one, and you were hard pressed to find somebody my age through that whole strand of time that was as into video games as I was. And yet, I never heard of Twin Galaxies at that point in time. You know, and I read through magazines and stuff like that. I'm sure I saw it in passing or heard of it in passing, but nothing that was really that impressive to me. So. I was going to say it was 1987. The NES was popular at this point in time. I think it was 87, maybe early 88, because it was pre-Nintendo Power Magazine. So I know that. And uh, my grandma on my mom's side was having a garage sale. Now, she must have had a lot of convincing youth groups or something come to her door, because apparently she subscribed to every magazine there was. For a long time, and so she's finally letting go of a lot of those magazines. And so they asked me to separate them by name, you mm-hmm. know, okay, time here, you know, whatever, whatever, National Geographic here. So I got the Life magazines, and I found the uh, 1982 Year in Review one. I loved the 1982. I wanted to look at that, right? I That was a peak of the video game industry. That was the year E.T. came out. Uh, still got crushed with Drew Barrymore to this day. So I wanted to see E.T. stuff. I wanted to see Pac-Man in there. And I turned open, and there was their two-page spread, Twin Galaxies, the thing down in the tumble and all this other stuff. That was the first time I'd ever heard of Billy Mitchell was in that. Before that, I'd always heard of Eric Jenner. I'd heard of Ben Gold. I had heard of Todd Rogers, which that's a whole other topic, of course, now. Um, <laughs> I had heard of uh, Don Nauru and, and Jeff Peters and uh, uh, Steve Harris and Phil Britt. I had heard of all of these people. I had never heard of Billy Mitchell, right? Uh, Eric Jenner was the man. He was the Joe Montana. He was the Muhammad Ali of that whole early competitive gaming scene to anybody who was reading the magazines, watching the TV show. Uh, ben Gold was significant because he lived in the Dallas area and had won a televised contest. So that was the first time, and I, I, Billy was in that. So the name rang a bell. Uh, then we get into the mid-'90s. There was no Twin Galaxies at that point in time. A lot of people don't realize, oh, Twin Galaxies have been around for all this time. No, nah, they were around for a few years in the 80s went away until the late 90s. There's a big 10 or 12-year gap in there. There was not a Twin Galaxies scoreboard. There was not. It didn't exist. It, there wasn't one. It's not a case of they were. They didn't exist at all. Walter Day went and did his meditation thing or whatever he did, and that's where it was. And um, so it was about mid-90s, and I was uh, going to a community college. And they had a Galaga in the break room area. Like the, 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 the student thing, not really a break room, but like a little area that was to the side of the cafeteria and they got awful food. And they had two or three video games. And 
Galaga was not being played much because it was NBA Jam and, and the, the fighting games, and there was the old Galaga. So uh, I was reintroducing myself to Galaga. I'd always been pretty good at it growing up, but now I had more. I was adult and more time. So there was one day I was rolling it. I'd scored a few million points, and one of the guys there was like, man, what's the all-time score on this? What's the world record? I have no idea. There was no way to look that up. I'd, there was nothing about Galaga in that magazine. So I started looking. I started going to half-price bookstores, things like that, and looking for old books and magazines, trying to find that out. found there were three editions of the Guinness World Records book in the mid-'80s that had video game scores in them. Found that I was, by the way, higher than the Gallagher score that was in there. But that's another story. That's another story for years later. Apparently, there were a lot higher ones that weren't listed. It came in between. I saw Billy Mitchell's name a few more times. Okay, that's the guy that was in the life thing. Cool. So, but again, I, I was like, this guy seems like he might be a decent player. I've seen his name on a few games now. So, not knowing there was no scoreboard at that time I started taking what I find in books and magazines and writing down notes kind of making my own little scoreboard based on that information thinking there's never going to be one again and in the late 90s uh, I was doing an arcade history website with little articles about the making of certain games and stuff it's how I met Warren it's him <laughs> writing to me to tell me how wrong my article was uh, <laughs> You know, a proof that you always need to keep researching there, you know. So, uh, you know, I, I learned from that and did better. Uh, but uh, Tommy and Warren came friends. It was back in 98, 99, I think, when he emailed <laughs> me. But um, I was funding it by uh, linking to a, a bookstore called Amazon. Oh, and they would give you an affiliate program. So I'd go in there and put video game-related books when they were listed on Amazon, put them in my little online store, try to generate revenue for the website. And that's when I came across Walter Day's first book at one point and realized, oh, he's back. He has resurfaced. And I started following along quietly from afar because I had other things going on in my life. Um, but I read about the quote-unquote, first perfect Pac-Man. And I read about these things. I read about the Donkey Kong controversy in real time on their site and stuff. Um, occasionally, I would chat. But for the most part, I was a spectator. I was a long-time listener, first-time caller kind of thing <laughs> when I finally participated years and years later. So, yeah, it was in 2008. Um, I'd gotten out of something else I was had been doing. Uh, business had slowed down a little bit because of the recession. And uh, I had seen the King of Kong film and thought maybe I'll finally start participating. It was one of those things that I always wanted to do. I always wished that there had been a Twin Galaxies in that one span of time. And I would, I, like, I want to say I'm a world record holder on a video game just because that would be neat. And uh, I ended up sending in more than I wanted to, mostly because of a rare snow day. And. Um, I had time. Melissa was actually down here in Dallas. Her dad was in the hospital for something, and I had to stay with Brody and take care of him, and we were snowed in. So I started playing games on the PlayStation and the NES and stuff and recording some scores and sending them in. thought it was kind of fun. And met uh, the then-chief referee, Blaine Locklair, in the summer of 2008. He has family in Dallas. Met him at an arcade auction down in Mesquite. And he, at that time, mentioned that, yeah, hey, we'd like to see you I'd like you to join the staff. I think you could bring your, your all everything you've gone through, your arcade repair business. And he uh, he 
heard the whole story you just heard. He thought that, you know, that might be a good thing. And I actually declined it. Um, but about three or four months later, the owner, Pete Bouvier, called me up and made me offers of certain things, uh, which never came to pass. But, you know, basically where I could do this cool thing, help this historical organization out, and, you know, earn my pay, earn, earn a living doing it. Mm-hmm. So that earning the living part never happened. But that's, again, <laughs> a whole other story. So... Right off the bat, you know, I was introduced to a conference call with a bunch of different things. So when I joined the staff, again, I've always wanted to research and read and all this other stuff. So I joined the staff. Two things started to happen pretty quick. Uh, One was I had now access to every internal conversation from the staff that had ever taken place at Twin Galaxies. (laughs) So now I'm able to read back all this stuff going way back. I'm able to see who entered every score ever put into the database, who was the person who keyed the data in there. All of this information that wasn't available to the public. And I I read up on every bit of it. I wanted to see things. And I wanted to get more history about Twin Galaxies, so I started researching it more specifically than I ever had. And it was then when I started noticing a few discrepancies. Even back then, a few discrepancies. And a lot of times they surrounded Billy. Hmm. I remember finding four Donkey Kong Jr. scores validated and printed by Twin Galaxies in 1982 and 83. They were higher than Billy Mitchell's 1982 score on Donkey Kong Jr. But they didn't make it into the database. Hmm. They were in the magazines, and those magazines were used to rebuild the database. But they weren't in the 80s Guinness books. Turns out Billy was an editor. They weren't in the scoreboard. When the scoreboard database was rebuilt in 2004 using archive.org, I found out Billy was on the staff, board of directors at that time. I started asking questions then. That was in 2009. I'm asking Walter Day on the phone, why aren't those four Donkey Kong Jr. scores higher than Billy's in there? And he gave me some lift service, like, oh, there's missing scores, this and that. Mm. And, I was like, and I'm finding things that didn't line up. And I'm finding all kinds of things that it just started making me feel like Billy was a little more manufactured than what even I had been led to believe. And I would always ask these questions. I never got the answers. So, you know, a lot of people don't realize about my time on the Twin Galaxy staff is that I was almost constantly fighting with the owner. <laughs> because he put me in charge of trying to help the thing grow through any hat that I could wear. Yeah. And a lot of it always ended up coming back to the way things had been versus the way things needed to be. And Billy's name kept popping up in that sort of stuff. And so, uh, you know, maybe if you want to refresh the question here, that's how I kind of got into it. That's kind of yeah. what led to the whole thing is even when I was on the staff, I started finding Things that just kind of didn't line up with the guy. And, and that was in 09, you said. Yeah, I joined, I joined in October 2008 is when I joined the staff. Mm-hmm. It was 2009 when I really kind of started looking into some things. Yeah. And I started having a lot more questions and answers as related to him and some other of the other early stuff. But it seems like it always, the questions, the things didn't line up as they involved with him. And you, I mean, you said uh, you didn't really get answers to your questions from Walter. How about... 
other people involved? You know, were you asking other people? Were you kind of well, just trying to figure I, well, out what was going on? You know, I mean, one of the first things that it really left out to me was one of the earlier things we got was we got that thing with G4 TV to work with them at E3 2009. And people that do know about that broadcast know we had Steve Weeby on the first day, and he played three games of really kind of three and a quarter because we had a power outage at one point. Uh, games of Donkey Kong and live television. Oh, wow. Kind of a historic thing. I'm very proud of everything I did relating to that event. Uh, I won't go into that much here, but it was the first live televised arcade world record attempt ever or since. What a lot of people don't realize is that we wanted Billy to play the second day. And he said no. Huh. It was a paid appearance. Really? Uh, for a guy that really seems like the camera. But he declined to go, and I didn't quite understand that. I accepted at the time, reluctantly, the, uh, the excuse that he couldn't get away from work. It seems like he always gets away from work. I mean, you know, whatever. It just seems uh, this seemed odd to me. Like, why mm -hmm. wouldn't he take the opportunity to come out and play be the focus of attention the second day and play on live national television at E3. like that at E three? For God's sakes, he said no. So, but at the time when you you're on the Twin Galaxy staff, you get an awful lot of people that you know get on your butt pretty hard and. Uh, it's not an easy position to be in. Uh, it's really not. And uh, I remember Dwayne Richard, who had been a good friend of Billy's for a long time, was very outspoken about. And he, I remember he telling me one time, he kept telling me a bunch of stuff. And he told me one time, he's like, all right. Because I, I asked him, I'm like, dude, back off. Back off me a little bit. He was coming off a little abrasive to me. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I wasn't fully believing what I was being told. I had questions, but I didn't. At that time, I'm still giving benefit of the doubt to Billy for the most part because um, he has people vouching for him as much as he has people criticizing him. But he actually told me, it's like, it's okay. eventually you're going to find out because I, 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 you, you're always looking for truth. You've got questions. Eventually, you're going to find yourself in this exact same position I'm in. They're eventually going to do to you what they did to me if you keep asking these questions. Watch. Exactly what, <laughs> exactly what happened. Though. Exactly what happened. And you have found yourself since then, even to today, the target. Oh, I don't know if I want to ask that question right now. Well, you can ask anything you want, but well, I, I mean, like, but, right but, but I can tell you where the trigger point, where the whole thing yeah, fell definitely, apart. Definitely, because I, you know, as somebody that's known you for a couple, like I, we were connected on social media far longer than we've been in connection, you know, re as of recently. So I remember when you took over E3 a couple of years ago. So, I mean, I knew of you. Um, and then after getting to know you, I learned about the people that have been targeting you, um, like tr groups of trolls targeting you. And, and, and you say there's a trigger point for all of that because it's insane to me that it's been going on for so long. Well, I mean, when you're on the staff, you're already going to get some of it. Because it's just like, I mean, you watch, watch any NBA game, NFL game, watch anything, and you'll see players that don't agree with referees' mm -hmm. decisions. And uh, so some of that was just, at least started with people just not liking certain decisions or not feeling that I was promoting them as much as I promoted other people or whatever. 
Um, was that your time? Were you a most referee? Most of it. Well, I was, well, that was one of the many things I did. Okay. Yeah. I did a lot of the PR for the place. I did, you know, depending on when you ask, I was different things. I was marketing. I was PR. I was a ref. I mean, it was lots of different things in there. And do refs have like a particularly important job? Like, Well, they did when they had referees. It's all uh, public, uh, like peer adjudication stuff now. But okay. yeah, we had to uh, not just make sure that people were following the rules, but sometimes new information, new glitches would come up, new glitches would be discovered, new exploits would be discovered, and we had to make rulings on whether they'd be allowed or not, or what degree they'd be allowed, or what have you, and if you found someone, someone sent in the tape and they weren't following the rules, you had to throw the score out, which wasn't ever easy. Or if somebody set a new record, you know, uh, is this a record that the mainstream is going to be interested enough in to promote this? Mm-hmm. And even then, sometimes you might promote one, and you'd try to promote 10 scores, and nine of them would be ignored, and one of them would go viral. So, because part of my job was to bring attention and press to the company, because that's how you would grow. Um, so, you know, some of it started with that. But really where it kind of it, it went was all going into uh, August 2010, which is they were doing the Big Bang event in Ottumwa, Iowa. And... Um, it was just a few days before it, and Billy called me um, on the phone telling me he had news. Now, I'd been playing Donkey Kong myself just to see if I could get proficient at it for several months leading into that event. Uh, anyone that wants to ask certain questions, I won't really talk about that here, but they never see that the cutoff was right around the Big Bang, where suddenly I went from exuberant to barely talking about it. All, everything that happened with the Big Bang. And there were other things with the ownership as well about pay and reimbursement for things and broken promises that I won't go into much here. I'll focus just on the Billy part. Billy called me a few days before because at the time I was both a, a deputy chief referee at Twin Galaxies and I was freelance writing on the side. And a lot of times I would freelance write about things related to New World Record holders, things like that. Um, kind of had an inside track. I could break those stories because I already knew what scores are in the pipeline before they were released too. So I could sometimes have them prepared before a score would be announced. Um, but uh, So Billy called me on the phone, I think it was the Monday or Tuesday before the Big Bang event, and told me he had news. And he told me that he had gone to this Florida arcade and he sent a Donkey Kong Junior World Record and then or he set the Donkey Kong world record. And then knowing he could set the Donkey Kong Jr. world record at will, he decided to do that too. And he wanted to give me the scoop and all this other stuff. I thought that was kind of interesting because it's the first any of us had heard about it. And um, he gave me the whole spiel. And I thought, well, it'd be an interesting thing to write about this from a stance of Billy Mitchell says he has done this. Which, so I was. I had sat down and actually had written this story saying that Billy Mitchell claims to have set these world records, noting that they have not been viewed, verified, they were not made official, whatever. But as his induction comes up, he has reportedly done this. So you were being a good journalist. I was trying to, because, <laughs> I mean, I still wanted the hit and the revenue it would generate, but I wasn't going to announce them as world records. They had not been adjudicated. Um, they had not gone through the proper procedures for doing that at the time. So I got told straight up, no, you're going to, on the phone. He's like, you need to go ahead and change the wording on that. They are official. You need to say that they're official. 
that they are world records, that they are recognized, and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, but they're not. You know, when we kind of went the rounds on this all night long, and he would, if it was either him calling or him on a conference call, and they would dictate. Finally, uh, Steve Sanders got me on the phone because he's like, is there something wrong? And I was like, yeah, I'm doing the story. Who's Steve Sanders? Steve Sanders was Billy's uh, best friend from way back when, a former Donkey Kong world record holder himself, who eventually ended up starting to lie about his scores as well. Uh, he was in the King of Kong prominently in a few other movies. Hmm. So I told him what my concerns were. I have no ill will about Steve Sanders. He's a good guy. Um, he's a little blinded by Billy, I think, but... You know, he's too close to it, I think, to be objective. So I tell I ain't doing it. You can tell Billy I'm not doing it. You can tell Walter I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not comfortable. I feel like I'm being told what to write, and I do not work that way. Unless you're signing my paycheck, I don't do it that way. And um, so I woke up the next day, and apparently after midnight, I got an email saying, don't worry about it, which is funny because I wasn't going to do it at that point anyway. (laughs) Um, we'll just go ahead and do a press conference at the event and announce them there. So I'm like, well, that's pretentious. So I contacted <laughs> the chief referee the next day, David Nelson, who kind of got a little upset that I was calling him all day trying to get hold of him. He's like, what's so important? I'm trying to get ready. I, I told him about it, and then he understood. He's like, what in the world makes him think that we can just up and he can just up and do that? So... Uh, we go to the event, and that's one of the first things the first day we're going to talk about. Billy comes up. So I've talked to Billy tons. First time we met in person. Shake his hand, have a brief conversation, and then he moves past me. Talks to Melissa, then moves past her. And uh, like, well, I, get, I didn't get to ask him. So David Nelson, uh, I'm running the tournament area. We have a Twin Galaxies tournament area. I'm put in charge of that. David Nelson goes. And it's like, okay, I'm going to go talk to Billy. And he came back a little while later, and he had tears in his eyes. Now, he wasn't crying. He had tears in his eyes either from, I don't think he was necessarily sad. I think he was frustrated, maybe angry. Some people tear up like that. Uh, he, uh, he was like, okay, well, I went and sat down with him, and some of his guys were in the room, they didn't say anything, and I told him I didn't want to accept the scores, and I want him to hold off on announcing them because we need to watch some sort of footage. We need to talk about this. And he said, Billy, he's like, Billy's response was like, you either take the scores or I'm going to put the screws to you. And he's, uh. like, and he's like, well, what do we do? And I'm like, well, let's talk about it when we're done, when the event closes for the day. So the event closed for the day, and we sat around, and he's like, okay. Well, Todd Rogers says that we have tapes, that they have tapes. Isn't it funny so, now what that statement means? So... Uh, <laughs> We go over to their hotel, and Todd Rogers comes out in the parking lot with a bag and gives them to David Nelson. But the thing with that is that, yeah. So, so he, he handed him the bag of tapes. A, a bag of tapes um, that supposedly showed something. So we went back to the hotel, and even though we were, this was in 2010, and we were in a hotel in the middle of Iowa, there wasn't VHS anywhere in there. And this was a Tumwa, Iowa, the town. It's one of those towns that shuts down when the sun goes down. So it's not like we can go do something about this. So David's like, okay, well, let's get the whole staff. We're going to do a whole staff meeting. We're going to do it in 
the hotel room. So it's not the lobby. Because you had a lot of the players and Hall of Fame inductees and stuff like that down in the lobby. And they're all trying to eavesdrop. The Twin Galaxies talking about, you know. So we did it in a private room. Uh, David Nelson's room, I believe it was. And he explained the situation and said he's doing the press conference in the morning one way or the other. We need to talk about... Uh, we need to talk about this. So he did a, a private ballot. Everybody vote on whether you think we should or shouldn't play ball. And uh, I don't even think I know what the end result was. I was frustrated. My stance was not no, but it wasn't yes. It was we need to look at this better. Because something just didn't seem right to me. Um, I'm pretty sure Melissa's vote was the same, but I don't know. Um, well, that's what kind of relationship we have. We're a married couple, but we're our own people. And, you know, we're not, you know, two parts of the same head, you know, type of thing. So um, I don't think she knew what mine was either, at least at the time. But that's, I think we probably were on the same page. So we all go, we all to sleep for the night. Not in the same room. We all went to our own. And uh, <laughs> watch that wording. These trolls will have fun with that one. Right. No, but um, we woke up the next morning, went down to the breakfast buffet, and Pete Bouvier, the owner, comes down. He's like, okay, well, what did we decide on the Billy thing? That's how we, that's how we talked. And, uh, <laughs> and so Mark Keel, who was one of the players, uh, he was at the hotel next door, and found out we were in that one. And right then he comes up and he hands me a disc. And he's like, I heard Billy Mitchell is going to announce that he got new Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Junior World Records today. I just got a Donkey Kong Junior World Record recently, but instead of mailing it, I thought I'd hand it to you in person because he wanted me to adjudicate mm-hmm. it and hand it to you in person here. And I looked at the writing and in, I looked up at Pete. And Pete, he had, sometimes had no filter. Um... He's like, what's the score? And Mark Keel told him the score. He's like, well, hell, that's higher than Billy's. Well, let's go ahead and just go ahead and shut him up. Let's just go ahead and do this for Billy. Just, just to shut him up because he, one of his scores is already going to get beat. So we'll let him do this to get him off us, and we'll just go ahead and because he's already going to get beat right away anyway. So we're like, okay. So Billy did his prep conference, which I didn't get to see. Shows the direct feed things. Uh, Roy Schilt starts trying to ask questions. They asked him to leave. He comes over, and they dictate to us what we're going to put into the thing on the Twin Galaxies website and put up the score. And when I get back home, I'm going to watch Mark Keel's thing and then put it in and announce that he beat Billy. And we got a double treat with that because... Steve Wiebe also beat Billy and sent it in right after that. So we'll get into that in a second. So (laughs) what I'm told right there is once it went out, there's lots of questions. Now, here's worth note. I mentioned that Pete had promised certain financial things to us, not related to this, but for work we did with Twin Galaxies. We were supposed to, me and Melissa were both promised going into that event for two things. One, to be reimbursed for our travel immediately. And two, we were going to be paid $500 a day each. So that's why we went. We skipped Colt's first birthday to go do that. Because that was a lot of money to us at that time. We yeah. wouldn't scoff at that now. But at the time, that was make or break kind of money. So, I mean, we're supposed to be making you know two grand a piece for doing this work. 
uh, and have no expenses, get reimbursed for all our expenses. So we're under an NDA, by the way, with the company in general. If we break that NDA, which was not to talk about internal Twin Galaxy stuff with the general public, you violate that NDA and deals are off. So mm -hmm. I'm under the impression that we're getting this money for the work we did. And Pete makes it very clear to me. It's like, as far as you're concerned, people got questions. As far as you're concerned, everything is on the up and up and it's validated all to our satisfaction. There are no questions to be had. So now I'm in a situation. Do I blow four grand to blow the whistle on my questions about someone's video game score or do I play ball? Mm -hmm. I play ball. Not the best feeling in the world, but, you know, I have kids at home, you know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. At the time, you know, that four grand was going to be enough to get us by for a while. You know, it, I wouldn't scoff at it now. Now, you know, I would probably do it differently now. But that's but hindsight. That's hindsight, you, you know. <laughs> I, and still, four grand, you're, you're at least getting my attention these days. Even, even now, back then, it was like, oh, my God, we need that money kind of money. So I did. Now, I did stick it a little bit. Because when Mark Keel broke, Mark Keel's thing was whatever, I made sure to make it, to emphasize the fact that he had set his score prior to what Billy had said his score mm -hmm. was. Um, so even Kotaku did a thing saying, technically, Billy Mitchell never got the Donkey Kong World, Junior World Record match. <laughs> then when Steve Weeby got it back, oh, I trumpeted that to the hills, man. Um, so, I mean, I remember the headlines going out. You know, Steve Weeby regains Donkey Kong record beating Billy Mitchell. I made sure to put that at the end. So I was still kind of trying to stick it to Billy because he did all that, and I felt strong-armed his way in. We never got to watch any footage. He didn't play by the same rules as everyone else. He even kind of got ahead of line the way he did it, and then he got knocked on his butt for it, which was great. But what got me... I, I skipped a part. So two days after the Big Bang, I get an email from Walter. And Walter Day doesn't understand how the blind copy people. So everyone <laughs> that it's sent to is in the address line, Oh, right? no. Um, Billy was one of them. And he's like, here's the press release for Billy's stuff. Um, anyone, you know, use, everyone in this, you know, use your contacts and help get this out there. And... Ten minutes later, Walter emails me back directly saying, actually, we don't need you to push this one out. Just disregard the last email. And I'm like, that's interesting that he wouldn't ask me to do that because, honestly, on the whole list, I was the best one. Mm -hmm. I was the most successful in doing it. Why doesn't he want me doing it? And even then, I felt like I think Billy told him to take me out of that loop because I didn't play ball the yeah. way he wanted me to play ball. It's what I felt like then. And uh, so, long story short, between that, uh, Pete waited, it took four and a half months to pay us 800 of the 4,000 he owed us and said, okay, we're square. And didn't want to talk about it. Uh, so I resigned from Twin Galaxies in early 2011. It was over a combination of getting screwed out of the pay and especially after the whole Billy thing. People can go and they can check. They can see where there's a line with the Big Bang. I stopped sending in scores of my own. I stopped logging down how I was doing on Donkey Kong. I stopped participating in as, as much discussion. I had already kind of withdrawn, and then there was this straw that broke the camel's back, was that 
at the end, you know, we only got 800 out of 4,000 and we're considered good. Come on, man. So I was still under an NDA, Pete Bouvier. So I still couldn't come out and say how I felt about it for a long time, but I did speak out. I started to speak bringing up some of the other the other discrepancies. The Donkey Kong Jr. scores from the 80s. The fact that Eric Jenner was the guy that got all the press, and I'm not finding any press about Billy specifically until 99, at least unless he's part of something with a group of people. I'm not finding any tournament wins. I'm starting to ask these questions. Uh, no one's really wanting to hear it because Billy's the guy, right? So uh, Pete Bouvier sold Twin Galaxies. And I want to say it was towards the end of 2012, 2013. It's all a blur at this point. I think it was towards the end of 2012. As soon as he did that, that NDA is dead. So I come out and I told the same story. I just told you. No one cared. No one cared. I spoke about I had spoken about how Billy Mitchell had tried to strong had strong armed his way onto the board of directors of the International Video Game Hall of Fame. Very few people cared. I even uh, pointed out when he got caught on a live stream because he didn't know the guy he was calling was live streaming, and talked about, and basically admitted that he had been trying to run out uh, the then president of the Hall of Fame, Liz Bollinger, because she wouldn't play ball with him. What? And nobody cared. All these things I'm putting out about Billy and nobody cared. So uh, it kind of grew very frustrating for a lot of years. But then here come more people are starting to come at me. They've been coming at me slowly since the back end. But the more I talked about Billy, the more I spoke out about that sort of stuff and pointing out historical discrepancies, the more heat I started getting. Um, and when you say heat, what do you mean? Uh, online trolls, things being fed beyond just calls, but false information about me, my character as a person, uh, my personal life, my marriage, my friends, you name it. And uh, I finally was able to put two and two together. Uh, I'll just flat out say it. A drunken Richie Knuckles admitted to somebody that... Billy had been encouraging him to go after me on social media. He's one of the people who had been trying to stick it to me on social media. Started figuring this out. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, events that I was booked for as soon as Billy or some of his crew would be booked, suddenly uh, they would be overbooked and I would be removed from the event. I never got overbooked on any event that they weren't involved in. Um, there was E3 2012 where, you know, we were dueling. He kept trying to, to jump cameras, uh, to keep me from getting camera time during a, a movie premiere. There's all kinds of things. And I always kind of tell, tell these stories and nobody ever wanted to listen to them. Nobody ever wanted to hear them. So I, I got a little jaded, but you know, I started noticing a pattern. Catherine Despira got put through the same thing before me. Dwayne Richard got put through it. Before that, Steve Wiebe got put through it. I started noticing there's a pattern. Mm-hmm. Everybody who has ever either topped Billy Mitchell or dared to question his story or dared to just basically not kiss his butt would have all of this character assassination. They'd be accused of cheating. They would be accused of being these bad people, so on, so on, so on. And I started to figure this out. that 
Billy actually feeds that the scent. Thanks to Richie for the unintentional tip. But uh, the, the, that's that's what he does. And it's always the way that's worked. Because if you damage the credibility of the people calling you in the question, then nobody is going to listen. Now, he may have been doing it a lot longer than that. I don't know. So, you know, it brings us down to at this point. I've kind of had started to resign myself to the fact that nobody's ever going to want to listen. I mean, for God's <laughs> sakes, they invited uh, Stephen Krogman to an event in Florida, in, I think 20, late 2014. Stephen Krogman, who's a longtime friend of Billy Mitchell, is also a convicted child predator on four very lewd counts of conduct with a minor. I don't even know why the judicial system has him out in the public, but he's also the Gallagher world record holder. And even though he's not supposed to be near children, he was invited to a live event where they were given all the Florida record holders posters and inviting them up in this room. And Stephen Krogman was invited up there and, Billy's goofing around with him, saying, hey, here you go, goofball, and standing next to him and all this other stuff. Point that out. That'd be a controversy in any other competitive environment. Convicted child predator got invited to this event and been given an award. And there were kids present in the room and at the event, and none of them were informed of this. I pointed that out, and I got attacked for pointing it out, but no one cared that he did it. I got called a bad person for pointing it out, but no one thought he was a bad person for doing that. It's like, what is this? It's like, what universe are we? Currently you know, what is in? like, what is this? Um, it was crazy. Yeah. People got mad at me for. I even went into a. Uh, there was someone that was going to do a podcast, and stayed and went in there and stated, uh, "We have any questions? We got Billy Mitchell going on live here later today. We got any questions?" It's like, yeah, how often, how many other times is he going to invite a convicted pedophile friend of his to go to an event so he can give him an award because he's good at Galaga? And everybody was like, whoa, crap. I got unfriended by a bunch of people and stuff for asking that question. I think it's a fair question. Yeah. So, um, and it just, it grew frustrating because, you know, I just fly, I don't, you can look at my police record where I got a couple minor traffic violations. Everybody does. I've I've gotten tickets for uh, a rolling stop at a red light and expired <laughs> inspection. You're not I got don't got skeletons in my closet. I'm about as blunt of a person as you got. I'm married to my high school sweetheart. We're loyal to each other. We've got two wonderful kids. Um, you know, uh, there's nothing illegal or illicit or anything in my entire background, and yet I've got these people who. Divorcees, adulterers, drug users, drug pushers, alcoholics, and interestingly enough, all friends with Billy Mitchell, uh, who are calling my character into question, and people are actually calling my character into question from those people. Really? Okay. So when the Mitchell thing came out, um, I had actually had just put out some stuff about Mitchell again. Well, so previous to, prior to Mitchell, okay. the, the most recent thing was Todd Rogers. Well, after the Todd thing, yeah. Thanks uh, for the segue on that. Well, and I just want to say, because you mentioned earlier that Todd Rogers was played an, a very important role in advocating for Billy Sports. Yes, And yes, was the one did. that dropped off the tapes. Yes, he was supposed to be, he was the referee who, he was supposed to be the referee who witnessed him play them. 
And and so what did we? You know and, even though he me. was even though he wasn't a referee at the time. But so and, and you know this much better than me. What came out from the most recent revelation about Ted Rogers' uh, scores? Well, well, Todd. They ended up concluding that Todd had you know and this was their investigation that Todd had not done things through the right way that he had multiple scores that were not adjudicated properly and believed to even be impossible. And therefore, they banned him and removed all the scores from the database. So my reaction to that was not so much, oh, well, look what happened to Todd. It was the whole thing. It was like, okay, if y'all are going to go after Todd that way, because a lot of them were celebrating, being like, look, this proves we're trying to clean up the scoreboard. We're trying to get all of this right. We're trying to get all of this stuff factual and right. And you know what? I commend that. I was one of the people trying to do the same damn thing at one time. Lots of other people were as well. Getting it historically accurate is the thing, and that's the whole thing. My problem with Billy, at least on the onset, was never a personal issue. He's the one that's kind of made it that way. Him and his friends have kind of made it that way. But it's not a personal thing. It's just trying to get the history correct. That's vital to get the history correct and in full. (laughs) Um, Well, they're playing him to be Joe Montana when he was Ryan Leaf. He He had talent, but he was never the guy, ever was never the guy um, back in the 80s. He was a guy, not the guy. He was not one of those guys that got everything. He was not one of these people like an Eric Jenner, or like a Jeff Peters, Steve Harris, the guys that did these tremendous things and then went on to publish major magazines and develop games and all this stuff in the industry. He was never that guy, but they play him up as that guy. It was always about the historical accuracy. So I saw that as an opportunity to be like, y'all cannot do that to Todd Rogers, and not do it to Billy Mitchell. You cannot go after this one guy and continue to ignore these improprieties and inconsistent things with Billy Mitchell. You can't do it. You cannot ignore the fact that he got credit for the first perfect Pac-Man playing under rules that had existed until he had them altered. You cannot ignore the Donkey Kong Jr. scores. You cannot ignore a lot of this stuff. Now, I don't know if they were already doing it. I know there had already been a challenge of the score, but it had kind of died off. I don't know if he was already doing it or if he called my bluff or we had the same thought at the same time. But Jeremy Young over to Donkey Kong Forum, we don't get along at all. <laughs> but um, thanks for being a bro. Well part, well, part well, part of him, you know, he's one of the people that believes a lot of what he has been told or heard that all started with the Mitchell camp. Right, it kind of things become you, enough people tell you that you believe and trust tell you something, mm-hmm. and you tend to believe what they believe, even though it's maybe doesn't have its roots there. But um, he came up with he's the one that discovered the whole loading screen thing, the difference between how MAME loads screens and how the arcade loads screens, and came up with the whole thing. And they go, "Hey, this doesn't add up." We believe we we have ample reason to believe he was playing on Mame, or someone was playing on Mame on these scores. Mame is an arcade emulator that you know a lot of people don't understand. Game code and game hardware are two different things. And Mame will emulate game code; it will not emulate game hardware. So emulation will never be one hundred percent perfect. There'll always be something different. And in this case, MAME loads the Donkey Kong information, it turns out, and draws it on the screen differently than the arcade hardware, the original arcade hardware did. So, yeah, and so it's really conclusive. 
And to me, go ahead. I was just going to ask, so regarding scores then, you know, is is there an acceptable time when MAME is used or well, is it always original Well, uh, Well, here's the thing. For, for the art, there's, MAME is tracked but in its own thing and there are safeguards in place because there's ways to cheat, especially in older versions of MAME. There's lots of ways to cheat. And if you stitch together the footage the right way, no one would ever know. The arcade track is a completely different thing. It has to be on original hardware with some very stringent rules. But even in that, is he was presenting that gameplay, never live, mm-hmm. always taped, direct feed, all these other things, as an arcade submission. Not a main submission. Correct. He would even bash people who would play main. <laughs> so to me... That was more than this revelation type of thing to me. I never had really thought about him cheating. I just knew that he had pushed the score through without undergoing the proper stuff. Now that started to make more sense. Of course he didn't want us to watch the footage. Of course he didn't want us to take time to review it. Of course, he, you know, all of this other stuff. Now I'm starting, now I get it. So Jeremy Young discovered the specifics of what actually was done, and I'm the guy that had to live through how he force-fed it in and, and, and without undergoing the proper rules, without undergoing the proper adjudication standards, without recording and submitting it the proper way. So it's like, no wonder he was getting so uptight and set this whole thing up the way he did. He didn't want that reviewed. That couldn't be reviewed because it would not have passed. Even if we hadn't caught that particular thing, there was no audio. Audio was required. And the reason, by the way, the early versions of Mame Donkey Kong, the audio was wrong, was off. Huh. Yeah. So why would the audio be missing? Why is that? So, yeah. So you combine what I've been putting out for years with this new revelation, and suddenly everything, all the pieces fit. All the pieces now fit. Of course he didn't. This is how a magazine had already printed the scores beforehand. This is all, all of these questions suddenly got answered. As far as I'm concerned, very much got answered. He never did those scores. He's a competent Donkey Kong player, but he can never... I don't, think, I don't have any reason to believe he's ever been able to score a million-point game. There's a very big difference between 900,000 and a million points in Donkey Kong because you get a point press. There's only so many boards. Point pressing comes with extreme risk. I don't think he's ever been able to play it to that. So to keep his myth alive, I believe what Jeremy Young has come up with is accurate, and... He, he or somebody else was coming up with these MAME, doctored MAME recordings and presenting them as arcade world records, and he's manipulating the system to get these scores accepted and put in, and someone finally busted him on that part. I, I felt both validation and frustration at the same time on the back end of this. Absolutely. And I'm going to start with the validation. The validation was the fact that here's people now who are outside of this outcast group that's been thrown out there. They've got problems. they got agendas. They hate Billy. They're out, for, they're out for Billy. No, we're not. We're just trying to get the truth heard. You have somebody outside of that, someone who actually has said the same thing about us, coming up with something to be like, oh, crap, look, we believe he did this. We believe he cheated like this. But so now, so there's validation. Now people have started seeing, hey, wow, there were some people that are like, man, dude, you were right all along. He, you're right. You were right. They, they instantly believed it. Of course, he had some go the other way. But suddenly now the world is all talking about Billy Mitchell's improprieties and the things that don't line up and all that sort of thing. Not as much as I'd maybe like, but they were. 
You now had Kotaku digging a little further and corroborating my story about what happened at 2010. Mm -hmm. There are people that called it into question because they questioned my credibility, and they questioned my credibility because of everything that had been done to get my credibility questioned for all these years. So now you had corroboration of that story, and they finally had to come and concede that, okay, what he said happened, happened. Um, It finally became too big for him to ignore. That validation, however, has turned into frustration again. Because at the time we're recording this, there's two things going on. One, the troll brigade is going completely crazy in my direction right now. I, I, I get a little bit of it, like, I get the side eye whenever you do, though. I've, I had somebody reach out to me last week after really not saying, you know, just being a troll to me about us having worked together when I haven't gotten it in probably six or eight months. Well, yeah, so, it had been calm for a long time. Suddenly I now, feel the waves, too, oddly enough. But suddenly now <laughs> they're all going crazy again. And on top of that is that it got to a point of Twin Galaxies investigating it to this extreme degree, and then it just stopped. And nothing has moved forward, and everyone's kind of forgotten about it a little bit. You're not hearing as much about it. No decisions have been made on it, even though to me they got way more evidence against Mitchell than they ever had against Todd Rogers. Way more evidence against Mitchell than they had against Todd Rogers, but they haven't done anything with it. I know Billy's pulling some strings. I know he's pulled some strings back there. I know he's thrown some credibility. I know some of these people that are coming at me really hard right now. And they're not coming at me about the Billy thing. They're coming at me about personal stuff. They're coming at me trying to claim that I don't have a job, that I don't work, that we're Clearly. poor, that we're poor and don't own a stove and a refrigerator, that and if you um, didn't, who the fuck that cares? that I'm well, not that it would matter even if it was true, but it's not true. Right. Um, that you know, accusing going back to accusing me of uh, being an adulterer myself. That I'm either doing things or have done things or want to do things with any one of the opposite sex that I dare to talk to that's not my wife. It's so stupid. You can go through the entire game industry and probably find 200 women that I've worked with, talked with, done features on. You will not find one single one of them that will say anything about that from me because it never happened. If we did, when, that's, when all that other stuff started coming out, it would have come out. It yeah. doesn't exist. That's not who I am as a person or a man. It's not. But they're trying to claim all of this stuff. They're trying to go there with all of these things. And I believe it's a direct result of the fact that I got so so voicey over the Billy thing and then actually got some traction this time. They're doing this because that golden calf can't go down. And it's not even so much the fact that what Billy's done in my direction, It's not, and it is the historical accuracy, but it's a little beyond that even. It's the fact that he has made, I know what he asks conventions for to appear. I'm sure he does some freebies. I do some freebies. Um, a lot of them I'm getting paid. And I know what I get. I know what he asks for, and I'm pretty certain he gets. So between selling his life rights for the King of Kong theatrical remake, which I think he gets more on the back end of that, uh, what he has been paid to appear in other productions that came on the in the back end of that, for what uh, he has made up front for projects that have not come to light yet or that are in development. Yes, I know about some of those. People mm-hmm. talk. And for all these personal appearances that he's done, uh, co-promoting events, all that sort of stuff, 
over the years, thousands and thousands, tens of thousands, maybe even six figures worth of money just in the last decade on a lie. All based on fabrication and all that. I got no problem with someone that self-promotes. I would be a big hypocrite if I did. (laughs) But you self-promote based in reality. You don't declare yourself a legend. You don't advertise yourself as the most important video game player of the golden age. Actual copy that he approved for one of his appearances. Word for word, that's an exact quote. You don't do that. So he's just doing history a disservice, but he has pocketed a lot of money just through hype and hyperbole and puffery. And, you know, he's a, he's a facade. He's uh, essentially a wrestling character. Couldn't find his way out of a wet paper bag in real life type of thing. Mm. He's a, you know, he's a, a movie action star that you know would run at you know faint at the sight of blood in real life type of thing. He's he's that's what it's about. He's built these show promoters and these producers and all this stuff for all this money and time to help him continue to do that for all that time. That's not right. Yeah. And and if you dare to question it. You suddenly get your character questioned. You suddenly get your thing. Because, I mean, that's what it is. I've, I've asked people, like, well, they go off and accuse me of these things. Okay, show me proof. Mm-hmm. They never can. They don't have anything. They have no proof. And it escalated, it escalated to a point last year where somebody actually came to my home and took pictures, put them on the Internet, where people were actually following my car around. I even hear rumor, I address this on social media, I'll talk about it here, I even hear rumor that another one claiming that he hired some investigator to tail me for two days. What? He may, that guy has a history of lying about things, so he might be, just thinking it's going to get in my head. But you can't, be, you can't just dismiss claims like that. Either. No, I mean, it shows a level of obsession that's insane. Um, and there's nothing they're going to get out of that, you know, going to show me either working or stopping for lunch or something, big deal. But it's even the fact that something like that would come up all over video game stuff and and trying to make things about a personal life and discrediting somebody who is speaking out against what their golden calf, who, by the way, a lot of times subsidizes them or gives them opportunities as well. And kickbacks. A lot of the people who stand up for Billy have something to lose if that house of cards of his comes crumbling down fully. If he's discredited and fully exposed, they tend to they have something to lose by it. The others are just fanboys that get manipulated by those that have something to lose by it. Definitely. And that's so that's where this turned into frustration because they need the final the owner of Twin Galaxies right now, Jace Hall, needs to do the right thing. He needs to do the right thing for his company. He is not beholden to Billy Mitchell in any way, shape, or form. I think it would hurt his credibility more to delay it or defend it than to do the right thing and close that door. And the thing is, once that door is closed, I have no further interest in those guys except in a historical context because at least maybe the history can finally be righted. Maybe everybody can finally learn about all the amazing things Eric Jenner did or Jeff Peters did, the U.S. National Video Game Team and the post-Walter Billy era did. Maybe they can finally all learn about that sort of stuff the real prominent players from that area that really did leave a historical legacy. As of right now, people, it's still, you know, Billy, 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 and it just was never that way. There's also the players that are being ignored. 
players that earned verified scores that were higher than Mitchell's. Yeah. You know, yeah. those people deserve a place in history, just like, you know, everybody else. That right of theirs is just completely squashed because somebody else, quote unquote, wants or, to or, score more. Or the stuff that was taken away. Yeah. Um, when Billy submitted those scores uh, at the Big Bang that, by all appearances, turned to be bogus. They certainly weren't adjudicated properly. He took a record away from Hank Chin, and uh, I don't know who, who held the DK Jr. record. I think it might have been Ike Hall. It might have been Mark Keel. But he took records away from somebody. So you got the press there, and he's getting credit for records that should have been someone else's. Or you can go to 2004 at Fun Spot. This was actually in the King of Kong where the first mystery tape showed up that's under question right now, it's under fire right now, and it's the same thing. It's Steve Wiebe was there playing for the world record live and got it, and then here comes this thing, and it took credit away from somebody that should have had it. Mm-hmm. And that is the, that's the even bigger, or those Donkey Kong Jr. scores from the early 80s. You, you know, Billy Mitchell did not hold the Donkey Kong Jr. world record for 20-something years like he's credited for. He held it for, it seems, about two months. And he got beat, and he got beat, and got beat, and got beat. And of those four scores, um, the one that a lot of people tried to call into question over time was Calvin Frampton's, which was way higher. But even that score has been beat by hundreds of thousands of points now. So we have to concede that it's at least plausible. But even Calvin Frampton today stands up and still says he did it. So even if he lied about it as a teenager, what kind of a grown man would lie about it now? And stick with that. He has nothing to gain by that. He hasn't um, built a public career. No, no, it. he hasn't. No, he has. He has nothing to lose by coming out and saying, "Yeah, he did." But the three other scores that were above that were just—they just, just kind of eked it out. They very. There's no reason to doubt any of that. I believe he had those scores wiped because they beat his, and nothing else. Because he had the ability to do that. Because I mean, at this point, there's. I mean, it's just a matter of people continuing to take a look. Um, and questioning, critically thinking about you know, ev- you know the evidence put in front of them about the scores and what they want to believe, I suppose. But. Well, at the end of the day, and, and here's the thing, there's other people that should be put under that microscope over there. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are very close to Billy. A lot of them are the people that have been defending him. They got skeletons in their closet. I have reason to doubt some of their stuff, too. Um I figure if Mitchell's thing goes down, they will too. Because the thing with this is you got to look at it. You know, people, why would anyone lie about a video game score? Some, some ended up accusing me of doing it. Again, because they wanted to throw these credibility things out there. I challenge those people to show where I've ever used having video game records to go do something called make money. I... Don't even really talk about it very much. It's a fun bucket list thing that I did for a while and stopped doing when it wasn't fun anymore. That's most of the people that ever participated. Mm-hmm. Most grounded human beings have never taken Twin Galaxies to be anything more than something fun to say you did it and not anything that's serious, right? Mm-hmm. Some people take it way too seriously, way bigger than it ever should have been. They take it way too seriously. If you're going to accuse someone of cheating, you got to look at what did they have to gain or lose. At the end of the day, did someone gain any tangible fame off of having a world record? Did they capitalize on it? Billy Mitchell and several of his friends have made money off of that. 
That's their only claim to fame. That's why they defend it so feverishly right now. Mm -hmm. They don't want that to go away. Um, other people that have been accused by people over time or whatever, it's kind of foolish because what did they really have to gain from it? Nothing. So the, kind of look at that. At the end of the day, you know, who took this stuff and just get their nail on top of a thing or to say they did something <laughs> or have fun, and who actually tried to parlay it into something bigger than that or did parlay it into something where they made money or they, they got some sort of recognition or they get their name put into history in a place that maybe otherwise wouldn't have. Mm -hmm. That's what they got to look at with that. Um, I'm just, you know, I can't believe that the Mitchell thing, all this activity was happening with it, and then just suddenly it hasn't. And everyone's kind of forgetting about it. And I'm... I'm Maybe I'm cynical over just that one topic. Maybe I think that this is a sign that it's going to be the same as it ever was. And despite all of this stuff that's come out about it all, that nothing's going to change. And he's going to continue to get credit for and cash in on something that really doesn't belong to him. Definitely. And that would be tragic. What do you feel is really lost by a company like Twin Galaxies that is regarded as someone that is important in the gaming industry in regards to uh, keeping track of world scores or world record scores. Well, what, what is most lost by like them continuing to ignore this? I, the credibility of all the people who actually did submit scores playing under the proper rules and settings that were adjudicated properly. Did they have the opportunity to submit scores to any other uh, body of people well, that claimed... Well, there are some out there. I mean, you know, they've had Arcade or R-U-K. I've never known how to pronounce it, but it's been <laughs> around for a long time now. I actually think they get more arcade submissions than have for a long time than Twin Galaxies does. A lot of people, you know, go there. They'll go to the Galloping Ghost up in the Chicago area and set a world record live there. Cohen, you know, that Island. sort of stuff. <laughs> but, um, but for the most part, you know, I mean, that's the ultimate thing that's lost with this. As long as they have stuff like Mitchell stuff in there. Everyone who's in there validly and with actual properly adjudicated scores is going to be doubted by a lot of people because they're going to think, oh, they're all cheats or they're all this or they're all that. And then, of course, what's also lost is that those true pioneers. You know, I do. I think about Eric Jenner. Eric Jenner was that first superstar player. You can pick up almost any book or magazine from the early 80s. And his name will be in it. He won the 1981 Centipede Championship. He, uh, he did Atari advertisements. Uh, he did all kinds of things. He went on and worked in the industry and worked for Atari and developed games and worked on games. You have, uh, you know, Jeff Peters, Don Nauert, and, and Steve Harris, you know, guys like that. I mean, Electronic Gaming Monthly was founded by the U.S. National Video Game Team. You know, so you had these champion players who then went on and founded this magazine that endured and still exists now um, you have things like that people like that that should be the ones that are celebrated from that early competitive gaming era or people that even weren't competitors maybe like Ross and Stovall who was the first syndicated video game reviewer and he was just a kid right and he was on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson he sat in the chair between him and Ed McMahon and was interviewed I mean that's how big of a deal he was and hardly anyone knows what he did I mean it's like it's not talked about People like that is, is who are losing something here because 
I think history will look back on this as you get more video game historians and more people talking about this sort of thing. But let's, how can we celebrate these people while they're here? Right. Right? <laughs> You've got Mitchell that wants to go out there and be like, I'm the guy and I'm the most important and I should be up here. And Walter's like, yeah, yeah, what he said. And then they determine who, who gets called up there and it's all the people who, who play along. And all the other people don't get those opportunities. That's something that's lost with it. Billy Mitchell finally, you know, comes to comes to roost here. The whole thing's come out. All that one thing's got to do, Stole Twin Galaxies got to do, is make that call. And it's not just gonna. It's not. I don't see it as a thing of bringing him down, but I see it as a freeing of everything else. Because if Mitchell goes down, there's going to be a big opportunity. Now people are listening. And now they are going to want to hear those other stories and those other rightful people that should be celebrated will finally have an opportunity to be celebrated. Do you, you mentioned before that there have been times where Billy was like uh, on the board of directors and had, I mean, was working directly with Twin Galaxies. Do you know if he's currently working with or affiliated with Twin Galaxies? Not that I know of, but I don't know that. I don't know that for... Well, I know that when Jace Hall bought the company, um, Walter Day had over time promised, on not on paper but verbally, people to have different shares of the company. They ended up coming like 160% of the company. It was really screwed up. Uh, Walter used money paid to him by Jace to pay people. Billy was one of the people that got paid. And I know there was still money that Jace had owed Walter that would go to these people. I have heard, this is just what I have heard, I don't know this, that Jace had paid that out, meaning that everybody on that other side that was owed money, real or imagined, has received it. So if that is accurate, and I don't know that it is, it's just what I have heard, then he has, uh, Billy's been paid in full and should have no other Nothing else to do with it ever again. I don't know, though. I know every so often he hops a plane out to L.A. and, and goes and sees Jace. I don't know about what. It could be just to go say hi. It could be to discuss event ideas with him. It could be to discuss other things. I'm not saying that there's anything to it. It could be, though. Yeah, ask those <laughs> questions. Um, I don't believe he does. I believe I know Jace Hall and a uh, former NBA guy is his best friend or whatever, and I know they got some media company doing their content now and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it should be a new era. I mean, Jace, as much as me and him had a falling out and, and have said things about each other, and I know he said things about me, I commend the job he's done as far as making Twin Galaxies about modern esports because that's what it has been needing to do for a very long time. That is the only thing that is going to ensure that it continues to exist forever and ever and ever. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that's ever going to make it money, period. you got to make money to keep the lights on. That's just the way the world works, period. Um, I don't agree with a lot of other things he's done or calls he's made or whatever. Um, I don't agree with the peer adjudication stuff. I don't agree with a lot of that stuff, but I do agree with how he's done that, and I think he's done a very good job. Rick Fox is the other guy's name. I think they've done a good job with that. Uh, again, call it down the middle and be fair. That's how I, I try to be. I give credit where it's due. I think he's going to do a job with that. I think that the Billy thing probably stressed him 
because it's a lot of negative publicity. And that can cost sponsorships, opportunities and stuff for their modern esports stuff. Um, I think he needs to stop and realize that, yeah, I think the best message he can send, based on the evidence, not my opinion, my, the evidence would be to go ahead and wipe that, get it done, get the Billy thing done, get it over with, get it done now. Because it would show that they're serious about finally stepping into the modern era, into the real world, into the big leagues. I think it would do more good for that call than I think it would do more harm otherwise. Because, you know, if, if Billy is exonerated by any other means than some other completely unedited footage of him playing there with no other questions to be asked, and I know that doesn't exist, barring that, uh, it's gonna make it's gonna call their credibility into question. And if you think getting your credibility called into question in the classic gaming world is something, getting your credibility called into question in the esports world with the way that it's been booming and growing, mm-hmm. never recover from that. And I really do hope the best for Jace and Twin Galaxies going on. I really do. I always hope the best for anybody and anything, unless they're doing something dirty. <laughs> so I think that for the health of Twin Galaxies, I think they need to. To make that call, I think they needed to make that call already. I think they need to do it now. The evidence, you know, unless they come up with something else, the evidence to me is clear. Yeah. It's right there. So I think that you know, the opportunities lost wouldn't even just be Jason, Rick Fox, and Twin Galaxies, but any of the players signed to them, any of the people wanting to compete for them. Yep. You don't want, you know, you got to think about that too. You play, start playing in the big leagues like that. You get, you get an NFL player, NFL team, and they have a player that's a problem, it doesn't matter who they are. You can't let that person stay on there. They'll cut them, they'll trade them, they'll get rid of them. they got to focus on what's important. NBA, same thing. Any of that sort of thing. Major companies, same thing. Definitely. So I don't know what their hesitation is, but... Uh, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. <laughs> Was there anything else that you wanted to add? Or I mean, I'm fine with that being the end, but I wasn't sure if there was anything else specifically you wanted to add. I just, I, I just hope that you know people who even maybe had previously kind of defended Mitchell or had uh, gone after people who'd gone after him under maybe they can start to understand that question everything. There is nothing wrong with asking questions. There's nothing wrong with doing some digging and trying to find out information. Nothing wrong with it. In fact, I, I encourage it. It needs to happen. Video game history, and we've talked about this before. The most important thing with it isn't who gets the glory. It isn't who gets the opportunities. It's just getting it right. Because mm-hmm. we are in a situation right now where most of these pioneers are still here. Whether it's early competitive gaming, whether it's early industry, they're still here. This is an extremely limited window where the world both cares about this old stuff and the people involved in it, for the most part, are still around and they're willing to talk. And the information is still readily findable, not as much as it was, but you can still find most old books, magazines, newspaper clippings, that sort of thing now. It's not always going to be this way. Mm-hmm. We've got to get it right now. And the Billy Mitchell thing is an example of that, is getting the history around that guy right I'm not saying he doesn't have a prominent role in the early competitive stuff. He does. But it's not as prominent as it's, it would be. It's not worth eclipsing the work and no. that of other people. No, I mean, that's, that's no, it's, it's, 
I don't know, people like old wrestling these days too. I'll use an example, okay? It's like it'd be like taking Hulk Hogan and ignoring Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan, in my opinion, would be Eric Jenner in this case, in the early competitive thing. The guy. Um, you got Tito Santana. He did some stuff. He he had fans. He won a few titles. He was never the guy. Mm-hmm. He was an important guy. He was a guy, not the guy. He has his place. Billy was the Santana. That he was a guy. He was talented. He did some things. He left an impression in there that, is, that to an extent, that is legitimate, but he was not the guy. Mm-hmm. He has put himself out there to be the guy for financial gain for a long time now. And his, I believe all of this has been an example to protect that, and it needs to end. Okay, so... um. I mean, that was my interview with Scott, and I'm really thankful that he was willing to sit and chat with me about something so personal, because there is a lot of stuff there that's really personal for him to share about his own experience there at Twin Galaxies and uh, and with Billy, and I just want to mention that I do feel like Twin Galaxies made the right decision in handing down their judgment in the cases of both Billy Mitchell and Todd Rogers, and I think it's really important for their effort in maintaining and striving for a trusting reputation. And definitely not in the same capacity that Scott or Kat uh, or or anybody that's been targets of the trolls (laughs) that seem to follow uh, Billy around. I I have even experienced it to some degree. The guy who was targeting me actually recently had a ban of his own come down um, from Twin Galaxies and he targeted me merely because I was working with Scott at the Let's Play Expo last year. Uh, He was sending me tons of messages, wrote some really ridiculous blog posts about me with information that seemed to be shared in the with the purpose of doxing me. I, I don't know. It was very weird. And uh, I also had Hector Telok, which is another uh, name that, that people seem to know around Twin Galaxies. He friended me on a dummy account that was also friended to uh, Scott and some other people. Uh, and Catherine Despira, who also is a video game historian. She was the one that called him out for, you know, having friended her. Um, And, you know, that was really weird for me to have had him, I don't know, spying on my my Facebook. I don't, I have no idea. It was very odd, but I'm happy that Twin Galaxies has addressed the issues where he's concerned. But it's insane that people who were just trying to tell the truth about the past and the history were being targeted to prop up a lie. And that's really why I wanted to call this uh, (laughs) King of the Long Con, because it's very clear that there was some sort of concerted effort to promote these scores and really put down other people who cared about the game and were able to achieve high scores, um, but were deemed, I guess, not worthy of the title. But y- you can catch show notes for today's episode on CakeBites.com. Uh, you can follow me everywhere at CakeBites. You can also check out my Patreon if you so choose. I finally got some goodies I sent out to my uh, first wave of patrons. And I actually have a new patron that I get to thank 
on today's episode. Uh, so Sam, I'm super excited that you are supporting the show. Thank you so much. It means the world to me and you've been a great friend for a long time. So I will be releasing the next episode two weeks from um, this weekend. So I will see y'all then. Bye.